The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Father, we want to thank you for this glorious day. We want to thank you that we are celebrating the good news that Jesus is risen from the dead and that he is alive forevermore to be our help, to be our comfort, to be our guide, to be our strength for all of our lives. Father, we thank you that you have loved us with that everlasting love and that you have brought us into your kingdom through what you have done on the cross. We bless you, we praise you, and we honor you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I want to talk about love covers all, and I want to look at a Bible passage that we're not really going to read it through, but I'll just say it's from John chapter 5, and it's the first 14 verses, and it centers around Jesus being at a place called the Pool of Bethesda. So it's this place in Jerusalem that Jesus goes to, and I just want to talk about that under three headings, hopeless help, meeting perceived need, and the real need being confirmed. So we'll see those things as they come through. First of all, hopeless help. So I want to take you to Jerusalem, and I want to take you to a place called the Sheep Gate. And just near the Sheep Gate, there's this place called the Pool of Bethesda. It's a little bit like a swimming pool, although it's not really a swimming pool. But it's a pool of water, and around this pool, they have built covered colonnades. Now, obviously, we know it's very hot in Jerusalem. So there's these covered places where the sun doesn't bake people, and they're around the pool. And there's a lot of people who are there. But the people who gather around this place, the Pool of Bethesda, they're disabled people, people who are blind, people who can't walk, people who have been paralyzed. They're the people who are surrounding this pool. Now, we might say, well, why were they there? It wasn't a hospital, but they were gathered around this place, and this is where they stayed. Well, the reason they stayed there was because it was felt that the waters there Every now and again, they became stirred up. Now, I don't quite know what it means to be stirred up, whether it actually was ripples or quite what it was about the water. But there's something about this pool at this place where the waters got stirred up. Now, the thing was this. People believed that the stirring of the water was because an angel was coming down and stirring the waters. And this is what they believed about that. That if, as a person who was paralyzed, a person who was disabled, could get into the water, the first person in would get healed. So now we can understand why so many people who had all of these disabilities, these problems, these infirmities, not being able to walk, some people not even being able to move, were surrounding this pool. Because in those days, they didn't have the National Health Service. People had to pay for any medical attention And if you had no money, how are you going to be able to get any medical attention? So this seemed to be the greatest place for these people to gather in. So it became known this was the place where these sort of people, those who were very sick, those who were very ill, gathered. And it's there that they were hoping to be the first person into the pool should the waters get stirred. In my thinking, it's a little bit along the same lines of this. Their hope was that as soon as I get in the water, all of my problems disappear. 
Now, I have thought about this as a bit like people buying a lottery ticket. Why do you buy a lottery ticket? Because if I would buy a lottery ticket and I win millions of pounds, then that's it. All of my life's going to be sorted out. I'm not going to have any other problems. Everything is sorted if I can get that lottery ticket. It's a little bit like that. For them, they were looking for healing. But these days, many people look for the answer to all of our problems. Have you got problems? Have you got challenges that you're dealing with? You know what? Every one of us has challenges that we're dealing with. Well, in this place, these people who are disabled, these people who are blind, these people were waiting for the waters to be stirred. Jesus goes to this place. So he goes there, and obviously he's looking around or being shown around or he's being told some information. And he discovers that there's one man there who has been disabled for 38 years. Just put your hand up if you are under 38 years old. Okay? I know. See, I can't put my hand up. I'd like to. Thank you. You can put your hands down. So all of you, this guy has lived longer than you. He's been disabled longer than you have been alive. That's how long it is. Okay? So 38 years, he's been disabled. Jesus finds this out. And so he goes to this man and he goes to him and he asks him this question. Now, remember where we are. Remember what's going on. He asks him this question, and he says to the man, do you want to get well? Uh, (laughs) do you want to get well? That's the question that Jesus asked the man. Now, I don't know what I would have said. I guess I would have just said, yes. But this is the answer that the man gave, and it's rather more long-winded. Instead of saying, yes, it's obvious, that's why I'm here. This is what Jesus, this is what the man replied. And in a sense, his reply shows the hopelessness of his hope, which is my point. So listen to this. (laughs) He says, whenever the pool becomes stirred, I simply can't get there quickly enough. Someone else always gets there first. So here's this guy in this place. He's wanting to find healing. He's waiting for the pools to be, pool to be stirred. He's waiting for that. Is the angel coming down? Is that what's going to happen? Can I get in there first? But whenever that happens, no, he never gets there first. What a sense of hopelessness that is. His hope is that if I get healed, everything in my life is going to be sorted out. And yet all he is in a place where he never gets there first. I find that a hopeless help. A hopeless hope that he has. And that's the situation for this man. That is his life. How depressing it must have been for him just to have been in that place. And you know what? We may be thinking of him, well, what on earth is the point of what he did? And yet how many of us are looking for hope in hopeless situations? How many of us are struggling to make things better for our lives, or to bring about the changes ourselves when we really can't deliver. We hope for something that if that were only that were to happen, then that would be the answer to all of my problems. And yet we're seeking for things in a place that can't really deliver what we're looking for. A hopeless help. For our man at the pool of Bethesda, that is what he was living in. A hopeless hope. Secondly, my second point, meeting the perceived need. Now, Jesus is somebody who is able to bring real hope to what seem like hopeless situations. 
And the account in John's Gospel, as I said, it's in John chapter 5, goes on to show that Jesus did just that. Having heard this man's rather woeful answer to his question about, do you want to get healed? And he's hearing all this, well, I try to get in the water, but somebody else gets in there first. Jesus simply says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Now that sounds really quite ridiculous because Jesus has just heard that this man's been disabled for 38 years and he can't even move quickly enough to get into the water. And here he is saying to him, get up, get up, pick up your mat and walk. But John's gospel records what happened next. And this is what happened next. It says this, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. That's it. 38 years I've been waiting to be first into the water and this guy comes up and he asks me do I want to get well and I'm telling him all the problems I've got. He says get up, pick up your mat and walk and that's it. He is now cured. When you stop and think it's an amazing miracle because when you have been unable to use your limbs for so long you do not have any muscles. You don't even remember how to walk. You forgot, you're just not used to it. But all of this has come back. It's not just the physical healing, it's the whole person has been made well that suddenly from lying down, he can now get up and he can walk and he picks up his mat. But you know what it is with Jesus? Jesus does cause controversy. And you see, he had healed this man on the Sabbath day. And not only that, he'd said to him, Pick up your mat. Now, here's the problem. For the Jews, it was a major problem. You're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath day. You're supposed to go into the temple. You're supposed to worship God. You give everything you have, all of your time, all of your effort to God on this special day. No work at all. So in the middle of this, this guy, he must be thinking, wow, look at what's happened to me. And they're saying, hang on a second, hang on a second, this is the Sabbath day. You're not supposed to be picking up your mat. You're not supposed to be doing that. That's work. There's all this pressure and questions and problems that are going on. And in the midst of this, Jesus just goes off. And the man, he's facing all of these questions. He's facing all the barrage of all of these things. But inside, he knows this. I'm changed. My life has been completely and utterly changed. And that was great news for him. But of course, the Jews are saying, what are you picking up your mat for? You're not allowed to do this. They asked him questions. They even said to him, and this is John 5 verse 12, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? You can imagine how the questions were going on. Why are you doing this? You're not allowed to do that because you're breaking the law. And then he's saying, well, this guy said to me, and he, well, who is this guy? Where is he? Where is he? Jesus isn't there. Jesus never introduced himself. Jesus merely gave the instruction, get up, take up your mat and walk. And so the man was being bombarded with all these questions. Jesus has disappeared. But the man did know this. The perceived need that he had. I need healing. That's why he'd been waiting by that pool to try to get in the water when it was stirred. My perceived need has been fully met. Jesus meets our perceived need. But thirdly and finally, his real need was confirmed. 
John's account goes on to say what happened later on in that day. So here we are. We don't know quite what time of day this took place. But later on in that day, we find the man has gone to the temple. Now, I wonder why he went to the temple. I guess he went there. Maybe it was just because he's so amazed at what's happened to him. He thinks, I must go and praise God for what's happened. Or maybe it was because he went to the priests who are at the temple so that they could confirm his healing. You know, to say like, you know, this is what I was like, but look at me now. Check me out. You can check, because the priests acted like a bit of a doctor. They checked out that people were all okay. So we don't know exactly know why he went to the temple, but he did go to the temple. And he was obviously doing something at the temple. But while he is in the temple, Jesus comes up to him. You can imagine the guy's there, he's, I don't know, he's looking around or he's talking to people or he's been asking some questions. And then suddenly it's like, here's this guy come up again, it's Jesus. And just as he'd appeared to him uh, amazingly at the pool, so now he's here at the temple. And so Jesus comes up to him and John tells us what happens. It says, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. So the guy said, yeah, I'm well. Look at me. I'm completely healed. See, I am well. That is true. But then Jesus goes on to say this. He says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. You see, you are well again. The perceived need that you had has been fully met and now you are well again. However... Let me talk to you now about the real need that you have. It's not a physical healing that you really need. That was what you perceived you need. What I will tell you is what you really need, which is that you need to stop sinning. You have a spiritual problem that needs to be dealt with. And until the spiritual problem is dealt with, your life is not completely whole. How true that is for every one of us. We have different issues that we're wrestling with. Some can be seen, some are just in our minds and we're thinking about them and they're not necessarily noticed by anybody else, but they're known in heaven because God knows each of us utterly. He sees everything about us. He knows everything that's going on. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly about every one of us. But this is what he declares over every one of us, that he loves us, that he cares for us. And he says in his word, I know the plans that I have for every one of you. And those plans are to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. That is what he is saying. Jesus has come to help us find our true hope, which can only be found in him. But we, in our issues, we find that sin is a problem for us. In fact, it's a problem for every one of us. It's not anybody here that it doesn't affect. Romans 3.23 says this, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. The standard that God has set, this is the way that life should be lived. And if we live it this way, you're going to get the best out of it. That's God's standard, but none of us can meet it. Every one of us has sinned, and we know it. But the Bible goes on to say in Romans 6 verse 23, the wages, the result of that sin is death. The result of our sin 
is death. But, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the gospel. And on this day, Easter day, what we're celebrating is that Jesus died to pay the price of our sin. But he didn't stay dead, which is why we're excited on Easter day. He rose again from the dead to show that he had authority, that he had power to overcome sin, that he had conquered it. So he is the one that we can go to to find our hope. Let me ask you a question. Are you facing issues of hopelessness? Listen, Jesus is here today to meet not just perceived needs, but to meet your real need. The need of the sin in our hearts. Stop sinning that something worse may not happen to you. That's what he said to the man. And you know what? In our lives, it is his love. It's the love that Jesus showed on the cross that covers all of our sin. That covers all of our shame. That covers all of our wretchedness. That transforms us to be like him. He is the only one who can do it. And it's only by faith in Jesus that we can know this. Listen, on everybody's heart, that's the inner part of our lives. The secret part of our lives. There is a door to that place because it's possible to open it and to talk about the secret things of your lives to others. But we need to open the door because the handle's on the inside. We're in control of it. And this is the truth about allowing Jesus into our lives. There is a handle on the door of our hearts that only we can open to him. But here's the question I want to leave to every one of you. Will you, will you open your heart to allow Jesus Christ to come in so that you're not living a hopeless hope, but that you're living for a hope that will provide eternal life, freedom from sin, and new life in Him. I want to encourage you. To open the door is simple. You simply need to ask God to come in. You open the door yourself. Lord, I'm opening the door of my heart to allow you to come into my life. I pray that you would come in and help me, change me, forgive me of my sins, and enable me to live for you from here on. Amen. It's a simple prayer like that that is opening our lives that we can allow him to do that. And I want to encourage you. I don't know all of your situations, but I know they're many and varied. But I know this, Jesus is able to meet your needs and to help you and change you. And if you've never let him into your life, today is a day when we can make that fresh start. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com